Welcome to Midweek Liberty. I'm Jay Dylan Proctor, and with me here in Cord Purgatory is Anthony Alegria. And the title of our program today is Fake News or Not, and we're going to be having a discussion on how do we tell the truth between information that is presented to us that is accurate and reliable, or things which are just fake news. We're going to take a moment today as well to discuss Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and how after the resurrection, how really is it that Mary Magdalene knows that this is Jesus talking to her, not just a gardener with fake news. So today I'm going to be sharing a three-point checklist, very simple, just three points to it, which will help you determine if the information you're being provided is reliable or not. So just to give you a quick overview of this checklist, the short version is this. One, is the source a gatekeeper of hidden information? So in other words, is someone giving you a taste of information but not actually giving you access? So that's point one. Point two, is the source purely emotional or is it building off of substance? Again, note the word purely emotional there. And that is point two. Point three, does the source appreciate the concept of the due process? And this one is something we'll we'll get more into later in the, the program. But really, the question is, does the source trust you to be able to come to a a reasonable conclusion if they present all the information to you, or do they not trust in the idea of the due process? So that's point three. So to start off our discussion today, let's just ask the question, what do we mean when we say fake news? Anthony, what do we mean when we we use this term? Fake news, at least the way that we're meaning it and most people are meaning it, is sophistry, which is an argument that presents a sentiment that is not accurate to reality. So this could be presenting an incomplete truth, which is the most dangerous because it's the hardest to check, changing the definitions of things, and also appeals to emotions. Yeah, basically, fake news is the the easy language for the concept of sophistry. In other words, it's an argument that sounds true, and it may be true in technicality, but it's it's actually not true. The term fake news is is basically anything which sounds stimulating. It may be exciting. It may be what you want to hear. It may be something which which even instigates some sort of um, negative emotion, but the news itself is not accurate to the general sentiment of reality. In other words, it's things where it sounds stimulating, but they don't match reality. It's a lie that is so well disguised that either emotions or pieces of truth are used to disguise the fact that this is a lie. It may be buried so deep in an emotional argument or or pieces of, of reality that it's really hard to identify that it is actually inaccurate. So the question for us that is, that is at our hand um, whether it be if you're, you're in church and a, a pastor is sharing a message with you, whether you're, you're reading theological material, you're listening to the news, you're, you're listening to, to people in culture speak about things, we always have this issue of whether or not what we're being told is true or not. And we as people in the world that is so complicated and always getting more and more complicated, there's so much information everywhere, we need to have tools for discerning whether what we're being presented is accurate or whether it's fake news. So, we actually have a, a simple photo <laughs> for you today, and um, it pretty much shows you the spectrum. In one direction, there is truth and reality. There is something which is understandable there. And in the other direction, there is fake news. Things may not always line up completely on one side or the other. It really is more like a spectrum, and yes, I know we have a simple uh, sign there for that, but the idea is basically this. When we look at different information in reality, we have to be able to choose whether it's fake news or whether it's just sophistry. It's something which sounds true. It sounds like what may be stimulating, but it's not. It's not there. 
It's just hollow. It's empty. So we have a lot of things going on in our culture right now. Um, there's a lot of cultural movements going on, a lot of things which have a lot of tension. And it's pretty overwhelming to just look at everything going on in the West right now. We have all sorts of hashtag activism. We have a lot of political issues that people are divided with. And we have a lot of things going on where we're learning about places where people have been victimized by different people. There's been a lot of sexual scandals go on. But we also have on the other side people who are faking um, different victimized status that people have. And there's a bit of an oppression Olympics that goes on in our culture. Different people, they try to claim different statuses. People are being tribalized and everything gets so confusing. It's hard to weed out what is true and what is not. What is actually going on and what is just somebody's slant on reality that they're trying to make everybody agree with. So the forces of pop culture are always telling us not to listen to people who are biased, but instead to listen to people who typically have an indistinct Midwestern accent speaking in a neutral tone so that they sound like they don't have an agenda. However, this is nonsense. People can use that Midwestern tone and sound like they have authority when they may have no idea what they're talking about. We, as people who receive information, we need to have personal, the personal ability to, to comprehend information, to consume it, and to have discernment and decide whether or not this is accurate or not. And I don't actually think it matters in reality whether or not people are biased. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who get really upset when I say that, um, even Anthony, when I was first talking about this, it's a sort of a shocking thing. So many people tell us you can't listen to people who are biased and have an agenda. People are always going to have some sort of bias and agenda. But the question is, are people being dishonest about how they see the world? Are they being dishonest about what has been revealed to them? Um, that's the thing which really matters. There are people turning into activists who are trying to hide truth and push something which is dishonest or people just being honest about who they are. They may be biased. They may have a very small bias that's irrelevant. Um, but the question is, are they being honest or are they being dishonest? Are they trying to manipulate you or are they being honest? Are people being fake news? Um, so let's take a, a few moments to, to get through the idea of, of fake news using the example of Mary Magdalene, not Mary Jesus' mother, but Mary Magdalene, who comes to the tomb in the Gospel of John. Jesus is there, and this is when he is first resurrected. We're going to be talking out of John chapter 20. Um, Jesus has just resurrected. He's there in the gar uh, next to the tomb. Uh, Mary Magdalene is there, and she assumes when Jesus starts talking to her that he is the gardener. However, we have a question when we read this story. It's not till the second time that Jesus talks to her and he says her name that she recognizes Jesus for who he is. But we have a really big question when we read this. How is it that she figures out that this is Jesus and not just a gardener with fake news. So we're going to come back to the story in a bit, and I'm going to have Anthony read out of John 20. But before we get there, I want us to talk about this three-point checklist for evaluating if information is fake news or not. Are we being fed sophistry? In other words, something that sounds true but it's not. Or are we being fed something which is meaningful in substances? So the first point that we mentioned earlier is this. Is the source of your information a gatekeeper of hidden knowledge? And what we mean by that is when somebody shares something with you, are they hiding the primary source of that material? In other words, are they, they saying this is what has happened, but they don't want you to actually see what has happened? It's sort of like somebody saying, we, we seen something earlier today, we, we took sort of a slight picture of it, but we don't want you to actually go to the, to the scene of where it happened. It would be like you to come home to your, your house and somebody to tell you, well, someone broke in and stole some things, but you can't go back in the house to see what happened. You, you can't go back in there ever, in fact, and, 
and we know what they took, and we want you to trust us on what happened, but you can't ever go there and see it for yourself. Are the people who share information with you, are they a gatekeeper of information? Here at Kingdom of the Logos, which is where Midweek Liberty comes from, um, Amanda Sparrow, Pastor Amanda, Anthony, over there, and myself, we've talked a lot recently about Gnosticism. Now, that's a nasty-looking word, which starts with a G and actually looks a lot like the word gnats, very ugly word. But it refers to the heresy of hidden knowledge. Basically, it means there are certain people who have access to God's truth, and only they can be permitted to know such. This was deemed a heresy. God says anybody who comes and, and seeks Jesus Christ, they can have access to the truth of Jesus. There's not people who have hidden knowledge. They're not like the Wizard of Oz who hides behind a curtain and you can't see what is back there. God is willing to have a personal relationship with people. And, and in the past, we've had this heresy where people, they, they portray that they have hidden knowledge. And those who do not have this hidden knowledge, they have to trust those who do. But of course, these people who claim to have hidden knowledge, they always are limited in how much they're going to share. Um, this is not the case with what God intended for the kingdom of God. The truth of Christ Jesus is open to all people, and all who seek Jesus can have access. It's not left to a few to, to trust a middleman. Instead of excommunicating people who, who have hidden knowledge and are heretics, our now society now puts Gnostics and, and whatnot in charge of a lot of information. So we need to always ask the question, are people who are giving us information, are they actually letting us see the information, or are they being gatekeepers to it? Are they people who say, trust us, We've seen behind the curtain. Take our opinion on what's behind the curtain. Or are they actually saying, we're going to tear the curtain down and come see for yourself? You know, Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with people, but the, the heretics and the Gnostics don't. They say, no, trust us. We're the ones who, who know. So this is the first point. Is the source of your information giving you access to the source material, or do they not trust you with it? And if... Your information comes from gatekeepers who don't trust you with the information. It is probably fake news. And this is true whether it be secular Gnostics or Gnostics from within the church. All right, so let's move on to point two. Is the information appealing more to your emotional side or is it appealing to your rational side? Now, I would like to, to start off this conversation on the, the second point by saying there is a time and place where emotional... Um, responses are appropriate. But those times are much rarer than are times when irrational responses needed. For instance, when somebody is entered into an emergency situation, they may be emotional. As a pastor, sometimes people call me in the night with serious issues, and they, they may call at any time of day, um, and I may expect them to be emotional. There, there are crises uh, that will come up into someone's life, and that's an appropriate time to be emotional. And if someone calls 911, if a first responder is Come, coming upon a scene, they may encounter someone's emotional. That may be expected. That may be a, a reasonable response in a, a very stressful situation. However, if someone is before an audience, they've spent time planning something, and the content that they are providing you with is purely emotional. Not that we're saying that they are being a robot and talking to you. People can have emotions and, and be persuasive. But if their argument is purely based on emotions instead of substance... You know, that's a dangerous thing. If someone isn't addressing an audience from a professional setting, they need to be more rational than they are emotional. And sure, people do respond to charisma. They respond mostly to appeals to emotions. In fact, people are much more willing to respond to charisma and emotions, and that's why the dishonest forces in the world, the ones who like to, to be heretics, they like to share fake news, a lot of these people like to make emotional arguments instead of rational ones because they know that's the easy route. 
And if people don't have a reasonable argument to start with, if they don't have substance, well then it's a much easier road to just embrace an emotionally compelling one. So what's the big problem with emotional arguments? They don't lack substance. Again, this is the big problem here. Is it The question is, are they purely emotional? It's okay to have emotions. But is what we're being presented purely an emotional stance? Or is it backed by some meat? If we, we just see emotions, we may miss the backstory. We may miss the substance below the surface. Emotions do not always have substance behind them, and they may not be well thought through. A lot of times when people are in the middle of a crisis, they don't have a very good grasp of everything going on. So the big takeaway from this second point is we need substance, not just emotions. If people are trying to get you to agree with them because they have said something which is emotional, it's appealing, don't buy it. Um, it's probably fake news. So, point three, the discipline of due process. Now, this one is interesting because with all the tension going on in our culture, it can be very difficult to figure out what's going on. And a lot of times when we hear the language of due process, we think of the criminal justice system or something like that. We may think of, of even civil courts and whatnot, but we think of a, a courtroom when we hear due process. But I want us to, to be challenged to, to be individuals who have the discipline, and by discipline I mean the, the sort of virtue thing we practice, we need to have the discipline of due process in our lives. In other words, we don't need to just go off of what everyone else says, but we need to reserve our judgment and discernment and our thoughts on things until we gather enough information to make a decision ourselves. We have a right in our culture to due process, but we also need to be people who practice this discipline, not just in the court systems, but also in our day-to-day -day activities. There are a lot of people who want to manipulate us and take advantage of us, so we need to have this tool of due process thinking in our personal lives. With all the corruption, it is easy for the court of public opinion to pass judgment on people. We see this all the time with the social media mobs. I've talked about that in the past. You know, don't be a part of the social media mob. They don't have a lot of substance behind them because they're, they're just hollow. They're easy activism, and there's a lot of problems with that. Don't buy into when the court of public opinion has passed judgment on something and they demand that you go along with it, there's a problem. If the, the people who are sharing information with you, whether, again, it be someone on social media, whether it be someone on the television, somebody that's giving you news, maybe it's even a story being told in a movie, if they do not respect the due process, that means they do not trust you to be able to come to a reasonable conclusion based off of reality. They have to hide reality from you, and they have to tell you what the outcome is because they don't trust you to be able to get there. There's always a, a suspicious thing with that. If the source doesn't trust you enough, you can pretty much bank on it being fake news. So let's get back to this topic of Mary Magdalene, and let's apply these things real quick. So the first one, the question is, are the people gatekeepers of hidden knowledge? The second one, is it purely emotional with no substance? And the third one being, do they respect the due process? Let's talk about Mary Magdalene. In John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene encounters Jesus just after he's been resurrected. But the question is, how does she know that this is Jesus and not just a gardener with fake news? So let's read our text real quick and we'll find out. Anthony, would you begin in John chapter 20, verse 14 and read for us? Yep. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. 
Okay, so point one. Is the source, in other words, is this person talking to Mary, is it Jesus or is it the gardener? Are they a gatekeeper of hidden knowledge? Is there a middleman involved here? Or is Jesus being direct with Mary? Well, we actually know the answer to this. In the past, Jesus was direct with Mary. He was not a character like the Wizard of Oz who hides behind a curtain and always has some barrier between himself and whoever he's dealing with. And in fact, he doesn't have the barrier of the truth of, of the divine hidden from them. Jesus says, I am the truth, and he is bringing that to people. Anybody who will receive the testimony of Jesus has full access to the salvation and the transformation Jesus is offering. It is not a Wizard of Oz situation. Thus, in this situation, there is no Gnosticism. There is no hidden knowledge. There's not a middleman who comes up into the situation and says, well, we know where Jesus is and he's alive and well and trust us on that. And we don't have someone who comes and says, and trust this person here to be Jesus. Obviously something has gone on. Mary doesn't recognize him at first, but it's not because of Gnosticism that she is told to believe in him. Jesus deals with Mary directly and is willing to have a real personal relationship with her, not a relationship that is hidden, not one that is based off of hidden knowledge. So point two, is this emotional or is it built off of substance. Now, earlier I put an emphasis on the word being purely emotional, and that's why it's so important to remember that word purely, because obviously there's emotions going on in this circumstance. And this is one where we really have to use critical thinking. Jesus had just been crucified a few days ago, and now Mary's come to the tomb. She can't find the body. This is an emotional time. All of those who are followers of Jesus are in the middle of a very serious and emotional time. And it's quite clear that Mary herself is emotional. However, Jesus' interaction with her is not built purely off of emotions. It is built off something else. It's built off the relationship that he already had with her. And that is very important to keep in mind. Yeah, I'd like to point out as well that, um, you know, it was an emotional interaction. But from his side of things, it was not very, um, he wasn't using any emotional appeal to convince anything. Yeah. And one might argue that he did address her emotionally whenever he, he called her woman. But, you know, back then, that you, calling a woman a woman would be like calling a woman ma'am. You yeah. know, it was just a way to address them. And whenever he says Mary, he's not like, he's not coming out with an emotional appeal to say, look at these emotions that I'm feeling, you know. Yeah. He's just, do you recognize my voice whenever I say your name, you know? And I think that that's, that's really important because it was an emotional interaction, but I think her side was much more um, the source of those emotions. Yeah, I I agree. But also, again, that's the thing is it's not purely emotional either. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. This is not the first time Mary's heard of Jesus. This wouldn't be the first time she's dealt with Jesus either. It's not like there's a gardener who comes into the thing, into the scene and says, you've never met Jesus before, but I'm going to convince you based off emotions that I am Jesus. Again, it is based off of the substance of their past relationship. And to your point, Jesus is actually quite calm and collected in this, um, which again is a very, it's a very uh, high stress time. So point three, due process. Does Jesus force Mary to believe in him or does he reveal himself to her and trust her to believe in him? So the whole deal with the due process is basically this. Arguments are made, information is presented, and then there is trust that a system will come in and evaluate everything at hand and a resolution will come. In our culture, we need to have this value held close to our hearts. When Jesus comes, he doesn't come in and say, I'm forcing you to believe in me, 
but instead he reveals himself to us. In other words, he presents the very nature of God to us. And then there is a challenge placed on our shoulders that says, do we believe it? What will we, what conclusion will we come to after we have evaluated this? Um, it's very interesting that God has such trust for, for people to do this, that God's salvation would even trust people to, to have confession and, and penance instead of just coming along and, and predetermining everything and saying we're going to force you to behave a certain way. There still is the element of free will. And of course, when we ask the question about due process here, we get a, a clear answer that Jesus does reveal himself to her and trust Mary to respond. In other words, he does not force a predetermined verdict on Mary, but he trusts her to recognize and respond to him and interact with him. And in conclusion, Mary recognizes Jesus because of all of this. Going back to the point one, it's not a hidden knowledge. Jesus deals with her directly. To point two, it's built off of a long-lasting relationship that there's substance and meat to. It's not something where it's just an emotional appeal there in the heat of the moment. And in point three, Jesus trusts Mary to come to that conclusion when he reveals himself to her. So this is something that we can all learn from. If you've, if you've enjoyed this video or this podcast enough to stick along with this for this far, let me just wrap all of this up and this is just share with you why this is such a big deal. In our culture, we have a lot of people who say, you can't have an opinion on this because you don't meet this demographic. You've never lived this sort of life. Therefore, you can't have an opinion on this. They might say, they might look at me and say, oh, you're, you're a pastor, you're a, you're a man, you can never have lived this, you can never have experienced this, you can't have an opinion on this. That is the sort of hidden knowledge that is Gnosticism. It's, it's actually not true. We in the church, we deem this a heresy a long time ago. And we, we say, be excommunicated until you have penance, come back in, salvation, we move along and build the kingdom. In other examples, in news media, media and thing. We, we see where people will come in and say, well, we're journalists. We have access to information that you as the public don't have. Therefore, believe us. You know, that's, that's a sign of, of something corrupt going on. And even within the church, you may have people who come in and say, well, we're theologians. We have studied this for a long time. Therefore, just trust us on this information. If people are hiding information from you and not letting you investigate it yourself, that's a red flag. Um, if people are telling you that it is not possible for you to have this information because of whoever you are, um, that is also a red flag. It's a red flag that they may be spewing something which is fake news. To the second point, it is okay for us to be emotional, and we need to have emotional, we need to be human, we need that human element when dealing with one another, but we can't be purely emotional. We need to balance our emotional side with our rational side. And when it comes time to doing serious things and professional things, we need to let the rational side of things take dominance. Because when we just give in to the emotional arguments, things can go really crazy and get out of hand quickly. They can go far away from reality. And to the last point, we must be people who practice due process. Don't be someone who says, I'm just going to believe whatever people tell me. I'm going to go with whatever pop culture deems appropriate. Actually be somebody who investigates, reserve judgment till you have enough information to, to make a discernment with, and move on from there. Anthony? I'd like to add to that that, um, you know, in many ways, the due process is multifold and that, you know, it's not just can I accept what these people are saying? Is there evidence to support this? But also in the evidence that they suggest and that they propose, because a lot of times things that are just speculation will be presented as though they were concrete evidence. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. And especially for people who are presenting that evidence 
to practice due process on that. If it's speculation, yep. it's speculation. It's not fact. You yep. know? So I think that that's really a really important part of that is that not just what the conclusion of the argument, but also what justifies the argument. Yeah. If, if people presenting information do not respect the due process, they probably got fake news. Okay, so thank you much for spending time with us. Uh, we are on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, CastBox, and iTunes. Our podcast is free for you to download and take it with you. If you enjoy our content, please share it with others. That will help us out tremendously. And again, we thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, and if you have not already hit subscribe or follow, please do. And one last thought, if you enjoy our content, please send us a message, a comment, or a view. If you would like to discuss anything spiritual um, with me or you would like to, to have help finding a pastor in your, your area, please reach out to us. We'll, we'll see what we can do, and we'll, we'll love to have a conversation with you. And again, thank you so much for being with us. And on that note, have a blessed day.